from God's Word. If you uh, want to turn in your smartphone to... Uh... No, I'm catching on. The world is a-changing. This morning, both Kurt and Andrew will be absolutely thrilled that I'm using um, Kurt's iPad to preach out of, and um, they're also thrilled to see Lloyd doing the same, and uh, they're, they're Apple fanboys from way back, and um, I often tease them about their other religion, but uh, anyhow, this morning I, because of a faulty printer, am dependent on Mac, so I think the Lord can still use this service. So, um, yeah, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 3. That's where we'll be starting out this week. And uh, we're, in a, uh, we're talking about Christmas these few weeks, and last week we talked about surviving Christmas and surviving one aspect of Christmas, which was materialism. This, today I'm talking about surviving your crazy family. Surviving your crazy family. Anyone have a crazy family who would like to testify? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, put your kids back in their place, okay. I did a, I did a quick, earlier this week, I just uh, went on Facebook a couple places and just threw out uh, the fact that families uh, tend to fight at Christmas, and so uh, tell me why that is from your experience, and then also, you know, some, and if anyone's got nuggets of advice, and I'll just give you a quick sampling of the Facebook stuff that I got back. Here's one. I think people go into Christmas with high expectations and a lot of apprehension. We all picture an awesome time together and secretly worry about certain situations and topics of conversation. I think we need to take the pressure off ourselves and others to be perfect and to be politically correct with everyone. Pray for peace and believe in it. That was one response. Here's another one. Sometimes we pin way too much hopes on having a magical, harmonious day with family when really we are all just the same imperfect folks we are every other day of the year. That leads to disappointment and frustration. Here's some more. Um, I've noticed angry mothers of grown children buying everything for the big meal and doing the meal all by themselves. Sometimes we hang on to holy cows of how things have been in the past and we do not just share ourselves and create a new future with our family. This one says, the secret to happiness is low expectations. <laughs> Especially as an adult at Christmas. Just relax and don't expect to have much fun. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny, that's one of my cousins, so that's my crazy family talking. Um, this one says, uh, I think that people fight because they're just too tired. There's too many things to do at Christmas. There's another one. I don't want to be stressed out. So sometimes we've avoided large gatherings and created our own family Christmas. And another dynamic is not all family members are Christians, and everyone has different ideas of family traditions and how they should change. I think it's important to clarify expectations ahead of time. Another one. Families fight at Christmas because of their unresolved issues the rest of the year. This one says, I think that the roles we played as children and siblings, ones we did not have much control over, conflict with our adult roles uh, now that we have more control. 
We struggle to be fulfilled as we, we renegotiate our place and roles as parents and spouse. Now, that my two favorite responses really were uh, the one from a real estate agent saying, my real estate answer is you need a bigger house, so call me for all your real estate needs. <laughs> so I've really ratcheted up my spam filter since that one. And uh, just kidding. And then my friend Blair, he says, it all began with playing Monopoly and the banker stealing the, stealing the hundreds. Anyhow, so if you've ever fought over a board game. If you've got your, your thumb in, the, in, in your Bible or your, are on your iPhone there and uh, you've turned to James chapter 3, I want, I want to tell you, if I only had one minute to preach this to you, to share this with you, this is what I would say. Oh, in fact, if I only had 10 seconds, this is what I'd tell you. I'd say, James 3, James 4, Philippians 2. So, when you, what's that? <laughs> Let's go for lunch. <laughs> well, we do want to baptize some people too, so. I'm just filling this empty space. It's really nothing that important. So when you, at Christmas, if you experience disappointment, James 3, James 4, Philippians 2, or if you feel like you're the disappointment, James 3, James 4, Philippians 2, when no one helps you and you do all the dishes on your own, James 3, James 4, Philippians 2, when you need a pep talk, you know, have you had one of those Christmases where you locked yourself in the bathroom to give yourself a pep talk so you can go out and face them again? <laughs> James 3, James 4, Philippians 2. Uh, when you blew it and you fell back into the same old pattern of relating that you've done year after year, James 3, James 4, Philippians 2. When you're seething underneath a happy face, James 3, James 4, Philippians 2. When you receive a gift and it's not what you expected, or when you give a gift and it's not well received, James 3, James 4, Philippians 2. When you wanted a quiet family time, but you got a loud party instead, or when you wanted a loud party, but you got a quiet family time instead. James 3, James 4, Philippians 2. Let's start reading in James 3 and verse 2. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Whew. That's relieving, isn't it? We all stumble in many ways. I think if we start there, I think we'll have a little more grace for what goes after. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. Now let's jump to verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now, if your family get-together is right after this service, as it's been said, go for lunch and they're there, then I'm going to give you a different strategy, okay? Okay? If you're just going to run right out of here and you're going to meet up with your family, the same family that you sometimes have contentious moments with, then my advice to you is 
Filter your words. Like someone says something that really pushes your buttons, count to 10. Say nice things. Already prescribe in your head the things that you're going to say when they say that thing that you know they're going to say. That's all the advice I'd have for you is just say, do your absolute best to do something that this passage says is pretty much impossible to do. That is tame your tongue. You know what is interesting about this? I've heard lots of different guys like myself over the years talk about this passage of scripture. They say, today we're going to talk about taming the tongue. And then they read the passage and then they go, so let's tame our tongues. And I'm like, the passage said you can't. That's what it says. No, human being can tame the tongue. And you know what? It's not just the Bible saying this. This is my own experience. I have tried to. I'm like ticked off at somebody, and I don't want them to know. I want to be polite. And so I'm trying to filter my words. But you know what I found out? I don't filter them all. Some of them get through the filter, and they come out, and, I'm, and then I say something like this. I'm like, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but I know where it came from. It came from what was inside of me. So, I'm, here's, so if you're going right now, to your family gathering, well, just try to tame the tongue. But if you've got a couple days or a couple weeks before you get together with your family, I have a much better strategy for you, and I think it's more biblical too. I think what you need to do is you need to start with what's in your heart. That's where you need to start. Instead of filtering your words, we're going to talk today about a change of heart that produces fresh, life-giving words. Not from the tongue but from the heart Jesus said this Jesus said a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of that's Luke 6:45 if you if you're interested for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of so instead of saying I'm going to try to filter my words say you know what I want, to do some, I want to do a filtering on the inside. I want to deal with the source of the bitterness. I want to do is, deal with the source of the bad response instead of just dealing with the response itself. I think that's going to be much more productive. Then you don't have to use all that self-control when you get together to choose all the right words. If you've got a love that's springing out of your heart for that person, if, if Jesus has done a work within you deep down... You don't have to strain to filter your words. You can allow your words to flow freely because they're going to be fresh, living words. So don't deal superficially with this problem. Clean up the source. If your heart is a salt spring, as a scripture passage says, you're going to have trouble bringing fresh water out of it. So, so let's talk about that. Let's read a little bit more. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find conflict at Christmas, disorder, and every evil practice. <laughs> But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, 
full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So here's two things in this passage, in verse 14, that you don't want to bring home to your family for the holidays. Bitter envy and selfish ambition. Now, how does that show up? How does it show up? Well, I know how it shows up in me, so I'll talk about that. There's those moments where I'm saying, well, why does that family member get the attention that I want? No, I don't say it like that. But when I really figure it out, that's what I'm saying. Why did they get the affirmation and the recognition from, from my brothers and sister? Why did, I want it to be noticed. I want to be recognized. I want to be affirmed. I want to be loved. I want to be understood. So I'm envious about someone else got the spotlight. Someone else got the, the, what I was looking for. Or it could be in your family scenario that nobody gets what they're looking for. That the conflict is at such a level that you just try to survive. Hence the series title, Surviving Christmas. So envy and selfish ambition. Let me talk about selfish ambition for a second. Do you come home for the holidays, or if you're the ones who host for the holidays, do you have an agenda? Do you have some pretty significant expectations that if they're not met, holiday, the, the Christmas get-together is going to be a flop in your mind? That's a really sort of dangerous place to put yourself in. Because you're setting yourself up for a lot of anger and bitterness, right? Because all it takes, if you say, I just want everyone to get along this Christmas. Can anybody stop that from happening? Yes, any one of your family can stop that from happening. Right? So it's a really unrealistic expectation for Christmas. I just want everyone to be in harmony the whole time. Really? That's crazy to expect that. Because all one, it only takes one person to blow that out of the water. And you have no control over that's gonna, whether that's going to happen or not. So maybe you should make your goals based on things that you have a say in, that you have control over. Oh, I just want to you know, tell everybody what I've done this year, and I want them to be impressed with all my accomplishments. Who can block that? You have no control over that. So those selfish ambitions, they're going to lead to some conflict. Let's read some more. This is chapter 4 now. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Oh, we all want to know. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now, you might be under the impression that the battle's out there or here, between, relationally, that's where the battle is. But the biggest battle is not between you, it's in you. In fact, the biggest um, consideration, the biggest deciding factor on how your Christmas goes is not resting on what happens to you, but what happens in you. Let me say that again. It's not so much what happens to you, it's what happens in you. We'll read some more. You desire, but do not have... So you kill. <laughs> I hope Christmas doesn't get that bad. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. 
You do not have because you do not ask God. Can I read that again? You do not have because you do not ask God. Lots of times when families get together, um, we're so hungry for love, significance, acceptance, belonging, all those things, that we go to the wrong source. We expect that out of our families. We say, if my family would, would respond warmly enough or in the way I want them to, then I, everything would be all right on the inside of me. Instead, we need to ask God for those things. God loves to, to do a work in our lives to provide the love, significance, the belonging, all those things that we're looking for. But when we take that need to our families, we're asking for disappointment. Now, should families be loving? Yeah, I think that's how God wants them to operate. Should, they, should there be love, acceptance, and belonging? I think that's what God wants. Yeah. But at the same time, just think of who you're dealing with. You're dealing with regular people. And they might have showed up for Christmas with, a, with expectations just like you. So if you all come needy looking for someone to supply and, 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 and do something for you, uh, there's probably going to be some disappointment. You know, I learned something a few years ago. Let me tell you the two lessons I learned in a row, real quick. One was when I went from sort of my teenage years to young adulthood. I'd come home for Christmas, and I'd be really ticked off at my mom and dad because they were still sort of treating me like I was a few years younger. And they hadn't made that real transition to sort of, like I was changing rapidly in my life and my, my, the way I was as a person. I was just, there's this rapid growth in my life and it seemed like mom and dad just weren't keeping up. And I was like, man, that's just, you know. And then I found when I talked to a lot of other young adults that they had that same experience. You know, I go in for Christmas and, you know, my mom says, you know, it's 10.30, go to bed. You know, <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm an adult. You know, all these things, you know, these moments. And so I, I, that was the first thing I learned. And then I felt so smug in that knowledge. I was like, hmm, boy, parents just don't get it. Then a few years later, I caught on to something else. That my parents are human beings. I know. Crazy. And that they actually have expectations or desires or longings within them just like me. So, you know, every time I would be like, oh, you know, my mom didn't respond like I wanted her to, or my dad didn't say what I thought he should, or stuff like that, and I was ticked off. Like, don't they know how to do this? It actually was one Christmas, I found my mom crying in the kitchen. And then my mom was sort of a rock all my growing up years, and I sort of was surprised at this. And anyhow, so I went into the kitchen, and there she is crying, and I'm like, Okay, what's this about? So I sort of asked her what it was about, and we had this conversation, and the light bulb went on for me. I was like, she has Christmas expectations just like me. In fact, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm from a big family. There were seven kids in my family, six boys, one girl, mom and dad. When we get together, and now that we have, you know, spouses and kids and et cetera, uh, when we get together, that's a lot of expectations in one room. Odds are someone's going to get disappointed. But it was that moment where I was sort of look, engaging with my mom and chatting with her that I was just like, 
she started to tell me some of her expectations. She said, well, I just wanted this, and I just wanted that, and I wanted our Christmas to be like this. And she's crying, and I was like, suddenly understanding how human she really is. Suddenly understanding that I came home for Christmas with the same, not the same list, but a similar list of expectations that I wanted my family to provide for me, and she wanted them provided for her, and so did everybody else. You do not have because you do not ask God. So I say one thing in your Christmas strategy that I would propose is that you, before you go home for Christmas, is you try to figure out what are some of the expectations you have for Christmas. And then can I ask you, just take those things to God. I just want my family to think I'm, I'm, you know, I made something of my life. Well, lay that down. Take that same need to God. I, I, just, I just want to feel love for once in my family. Lay it down. Anyone can block that. Take it to God. Now let me just let me just share some encouraging scriptures with you. And these are, um, I'm so glad our, our, our church has just been traveling along through the scriptures in our, in our Bible reading plan. And here's some ones that have just jumped out at me in the last, um, last year. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Go to God. Take your need to God. Romans 8, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation with him. Go to God. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Is there some, something that you need? Go to God. Here's a Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Lamentations 3. Because the Lord's great love, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I was just making a list last night and, uh, of different scriptures. I don't have time to read them all to you. But just different ones that through reading through the scriptures this year that God has just really sort of downloaded to me. And they've made a big difference in my life. And they're, they're things I feed on. You know what? If, if I grab onto a scripture... I grab onto scripture. It's amazing how I can, I'm sort of, I've got armor or protection to go into people interactions. Here's one. Hebrews 13. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? 
1 John 3. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Matthew 20. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Go to God with your needs. The love, acceptance, belonging, significance, all those things. Take them to him. And then you can come to your family with something to give. Because you've already received something. Now let's go to Philippians 2. We'll finish with with this reading. Therefore, in Philippians 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, We just read some scriptures that I think would have, in my life, they have brought encouragement and comfort. So if I've already received that, and in in this situation, I'll say, yes, I have. Then, make my joy complete, is verse 2, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Okay? Okay? That sounds like a good way to approach Christmas, being like-minded, having the same love, being in one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. There's that word again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, Just to quickly encapsulate the three things I want to share with you this morning. One, start with what's in your heart. Okay? Do a bit of of examination, or even better, allow God to do a bit of examination with what are the expectations you're bringing to your family. And then take those things. Go to God with what you need. Okay? Go to God to get what you need. And then here's the third one. Follow Jesus' example and serve other people's needs since Jesus is taking care of yours. Wouldn't it be great in a family, a family who all comes with needs and expectations, that one or maybe a couple or maybe more people show up with something to give? Wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe in your, in your family you say, I can't think of anybody in my family who's going to come with something to give. Everybody wants to come and take. Well, then guess what? You get to be Jesus to your family. Just like Jesus put other people's needs ahead of his own. Just like Jesus laid down his life to be a servant. You can be that in your own family. pretty excited these guys are in for communion. We're going to witness an amazing moment of testimony in a moment where we get to see people say, because of Jesus, my life has changed, right? 
When people go into the waters of baptism, they're, they're saying that the biggest difference maker in my life is Jesus Christ. And today I'm, I'm declaring that to you. Before we do that, I want, to pray with, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your Christmases that are coming up. I want to pray for the moments, right? There might be bathroom pep talk moments for you. I don't want you to be unarmed for the battle that's going on inside of you. But I want you to take some of these scriptures. Remember, James 3, James 4, Philippians 2. I want you to take these things into your family Christmas. And I want you to be an agent of peace and love. I want you to be the person who doesn't need to be understood, but can actually understand. I want you to be equipped. So let me pray for you. Let's all stand together as we just uh, open ourselves up to God and what he wants to do. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the families that you've put us in. For many in this room, they've many times thanked you for their families, but for some of us, maybe it's the first where we just need to actually, as an act of the will, say that to you. Thank you for the family you've put me in. Thank you for the families you put us in. And Lord, it sometimes seems like um, it's a challenge to interact the right way. God, we, we ask that we wouldn't just superficially address this. We wouldn't just try to act it out. But God, that you would change us from the inside out so that we can come with something real. God, I, I just pray for every uh, extended family member that's not here this morning, but the ones who are here this morning are going to interact with them over this Christmas season. Lord, give us something to give. We ask for that. We ask for, for you to deal with uh, some of the things in our hearts. If there's, if there's envy or, or uh, selfish ambition or expectations we have of others that we need to lay down, I pray you'd just show us the emptiness of that. And also show us the richness of what you have to offer so that we come to you with our needs. We come to you with our, our longings. And that, Lord, we can find real satisfaction in you so that when we go to our families, we aren't walking in that same neediness. So God, prepare us to minister for you this Christmas. Yeah. Lord, I just pray for a wave of love, peacemaking, and joy to go out of this place into homes all across uh, Canada and wherever they go into the world over this holidays. And uh, we just pray that you would do things this year that have never happened in our families. In your name.